but what does Uncle Ben say, Tommy? Uncle Ben the Rice? Spider-Man's uncle. Spider-Man's uncle wasn't it Uncle Ben. <laughs> that Uncle Ben. I'm sorry. With great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> yeah, <thinking> too. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode brought to you by Uncle Ben's Rice. It tastes real good. <laughs> Go buy some. Use coupon Uncle code. Ask MTJC to get 20% off the first box at Costco. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 234 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is still Timitra and I'm still in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined by Jaime Lopez Jr. who has returned to Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we have Mark Rubin down in sunny San Jose, California. Hello, except it's not sunny here. It's raining pretty hard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no doubt. Right, it's winter. It's sunnier there than it is here, let's put it that way. I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Technology, eh? What are you going to do? It's great when it works. <laughs> it's wonderful when it works. And then you have, you know, polar vortexes and stuff where everybody's suddenly online and working from yeah. home a lot and the infrastructure can't handle it. Um, but thank God we can work from home, which is great. It's a good time to uh, be around. Right. Huh? I said it's a good time to be around. Yeah, well, definitely. Yeah, I mean, like the whole, the whole, um, you know, working in an office, I think that's, it's, it's, I think it's, it's, it's a dying thing. Yeah, that's my opinion. You know, it doesn't make sense except for the face-to-face kind of stuff, right? Or those kind of things. Like if you're in a position, a profession where you have to be physically in contact with other people or whatever, you know? Well, that's it's an, that's an interesting point. I mean, I, yeah, that, this, that's definitely been the trend over the last few years, especially around here, um, that, you know, remote working has has definitely been a big thing. But uh, I found in my experience that, that you don't really get the communication yeah. that you get from being face-to-face. And, it, and things yeah. kind of, you kind of fall into this mode of communicating by slack or communicating yeah. by, you know, Jira ticket or whatever. Uh, yeah. And I find, and maybe it's just me, but I find that things move more slowly that way. Uh, and yeah. things aren't communicated as clearly necessarily. Uh, there's a lot of miscommunications when you just type stuff that you don't get when you're when you're talking face-to-face yeah, with someone. and stuff like that, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, even even just phone calls, because, I mean, we have a lot of meetings where we're, we're, we don't, we share like a screen and we're, we're talking about whatever's on the board or, or like whatever somebody's got in a Word document or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Like when you're looking at somebody and you can read their face, that makes a huge difference, yeah. right? In terms of what they're saying and what you're getting, what you take as a meaning, right? Yeah. Then there was the the Yahoo. Uh, let's call it an experiment a couple of years ago. Yeah. When uh, they when Marissa Mayer took over Yahoo, she canceled all remote working. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't go over well. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I've, heard, but, I've uh, heard other corporations where that kind of stuff happened too, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, 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 see, that, that something happens from time to time. So Boeing had gotten more remote friendly um, during the years I was there. And then at some point after I was gone, uh, and I haven't worked there for a long time, they got a new CTO or CIO who said, by golly, we're all going to work in the same places. And so if you're not within 25 miles of a Boeing facility or something, you couldn't remote work. And a lot of folks I know left. They said, well, I guess I'm gone. And it seemed really hard to justify. Yeah. I'm like, you have people you work with in Russia, China, Japan, South Korea, Brazil. How can you justify like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, that's totally okay. But people within the, the confines of this country, you can't have them be, you know, in Idaho or Kansas. Like, what do you care where they're at? You know, that's, that's, that's silly. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I mean, hopefully it evolves. Because, I mean, you know, it, there's the sort of, you know, the, the 90s or even the 50s sort of mentality of, of, you know, I don't 
believe you're working unless you're sitting at your desk kind of thing, right? But, I mean, uh, hopefully that kind of thought is, is gone because now we're, we are productive whether we're here, whether we're in, in front of you or not, right? Now, we have all these tools to measure work now, like Jira and, and stuff like that, like Mark that, you know? Yeah. So. And, I, and I do think Mark's right. It, it is not a trivial skill for a company to really do remote work well. Um, and I don't think that anything can 100% replace being in person and chatting at a whiteboard or over coffee with somebody. Big reason why, you know, I was in Portland last week because every once in a while we come in, we sort of reset everything, chat each other, uh, you know, break bread, you know, that sort of thing. And then still have to maintain that skill working remotely the other weeks of the year. It takes yeah, a lot. There's definitely the social aspect too, that that's like you said, the breaking of the bread it's, it has a big component in building in team building, I guess. Right. Yeah. A lot, and a lot depends on the culture. If you have a, if you have really motivated, dedicated people with a really good work ethic, then it doesn't matter where they are. They'll, they'll get their work done. Exactly. Yeah. What They're professionals. Yeah. But a lot of companies don't have that. And you know, if, if, if you have the kind of company where people need to be pushed and people need to be watched over, and unfortunately mm-hmm. there are places like that, uh, then, then this just becomes a disaster because if they're not there, then they're probably not working. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So first thing uh, we had in the story last week was about the the FaceTime bug uh, about this young teen who discovered the uh, the bug and um, uh, Apple has said that they will Grant Thompson is his young young man's name and he's a freshman at Tucson's Catalina Foothills High School he was playing Fortnite with his friends when he discovered that um, the FaceTime you could hear the other people talking on on their phone even though they hadn't picked up the the FaceTime group group FaceTime call and so they tried to alert Apple about it anyway so Apple has uh, said that they will uh, reward the teen uh, for, for finding the bug. Um, interesting to point out, it was also somebody else, uh, second person, Devin Morris of Arlington, Texas, also reported the issue. Um, so that's a kind of a good story. Good for Apple. They're doing the right thing with that. Yeah, yeah. Sure. it's it's unfortunate on the other link that you have here about um, this bug bounty policy apparently does not yeah. extend to macOS. So there's somebody who's withholding really? a... Is this the keychain one that I heard about? They might. I'm going to assume it's the keychain one. Oh, I did hear about this one. Yeah. But they're like, hmm, why should I give it up if I'm not going to get compensated for it? It's like, hmm, that's a good point. (laughs) Really? Uh, Maybe Apple should uh, apportion some of its budget towards that because that seems like a serious problem to have, uh, you know, macOS not be covered. It it just seems like, you know, make it the sort of thing where people are more inclined to give the exploit information to you, Apple versus, you know, shady people on the interwebs or, you know, government entities, that sort of thing. That's interesting. Like I was going to mention the bug bounty because apparently Apple does have a $200,000 bug bounty that they offer to security professionals and I kind of are security experts and I wondered if that would extend to, to this young man this young 14 year old who discovered this thing uh, if they would look at it you know in the same sort of way but uh, or share the prize with the other person who reported it but yeah I didn't I didn't miss this part about this uh, Linus, Linus Henze from uh, Germany who discovered a Mac OS problem um, yeah it's, it's interesting because we did talk about the other side the dark side of, of um, finding bugs and that is that there are companies out there that will pay you to you know not tell Apple about them you know and uh, look for look for not I mean and it's not just Apple it's all the all the big players they'll they'll pay you like a you know a, a fee for reporting uh, something that they can then exploit right without making it bring it public so they can buy some time to do whatever they, they nefarious activities require right yeah I mean somebody somewhere's got to pay for those exploits to get the nude photos of the world's richest people I mean how else is that going to yeah, happen exactly well unless they set their password to password one two three or something. Something. That's why you always got to put four or five at the end of that. It makes it more secure for the extra <laughs> length. <laughs> Throw in an exclamation point. Yeah. 
<laughs> instead of the one. Um, so you got, speaking of the dark side, Jaime, you've got some dark side news here as well. Yeah, and speaking of nudity, which is like 100% on topic here. Um, so we talked about the Facebook and Google sort of uh, shenanigans maybe a couple episodes ago regarding them using their enterprise certificates, their enterprise dev certificates that are intended to be for, you know, you've got a company and you need to distribute apps um, outside of the app store with to your own employees internally. And that was being used as research programs, you know, unquote research programs for Google and Facebook and Apple. Put the hammer down, right. took away their certs, gave them back like a day or two later, but really sort of set the stage of like, hey, this is not acceptable. Well, the uh, the fine individuals at TechCrunch sort of followed up on this a little bit further, and they have discovered apparently two dozen apps that are um, abusing that cert enterprise cert distribution method to do um, all sorts of things like gambling apps and pornography apps. I specifically chose, for those of you driving at home, the Verge article, because I would say be very careful with that TechCrunch article. It's a little not safe for work, so be mindful of that. Hmm. So this is, this is so you're saying that this, they're using that same exploit that, that uh, or they're using the enterprise signing that um, Facebook and Google were using? Well, I mean, they're not the using those right, certs, yeah. but they're using the enterprise certificates. And then, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, like go to my website, you know, download this profile, yeah. accept those sort of things. And look, you too can have access to unlimited pornography and gambling. Uh, I, I assume that's what's going on here. Um, I'm kind of of, of two minds of this because it seems, you know, I think that TechCrunch really did point out a flaw or at the very least a, um, I don't want to call it negligence because I don't think that the people are really quite at risk here in the same way that, you know, was sort of more uh, obvious with Facebook and Google's usage of it. I'm guessing this is probably more um, Apple needs to somehow sort of rein this in because it, one, it doesn't make them look good. I, I don't necessarily agree with the way that TechCrunch covered it. I was like, oh my gosh, look at this, like this huge thing that, that is happening. I assume that the individuals who are going out of their way to go find these these things are probably doing that. And honestly, doing it through an app is way harder than just, you know, going to google.com and typing in the stuff you might want to go find. Um, this is the harder route to do that. I think it's more, you know, how can Apple provide the flexibility that, you know, people legitimately want and maybe arguably should have for stuff like the enterprise certs, but yet not have a, a complete oversight the way that they do for the app store. And I don't know the answer to that because I, I do enjoy the um, the walled garden, as they, they call it. I do enjoy the security and safety that comes from that, but um, not sure how they'll deal with this because it, it would be an enormous task to take on. Like, all right, well, now we have to look at every app that you sign with your enterprise cert, and that's probably not scalable. So in terms of clickbaity titles, and this may be staying on the dark side for a minute, but I just, I, as I was looking at the stock price for Apple before we started recording here, um, I stumbled across an article, because you know how they have the news headlines underneath, underneath the, in the stocks app, um, and it said software pirates use Apple tech to put hacked apps onto iPhones. And they're talking about the same sort of thing. So they're talking about, um, uh, initially at the beginning of the article, they're talking about using enterprise certificates, but they're, they're naming out Tutu App, Panda Helper, App Valley, and Tweetbox, found ways to use digital certificates to access the program that Apple introduced letting corporations distribute business-to-business apps. Yeah, okay. This is that, that business program we were talking about a few months ago, I guess. But, you know, hacked versions of Spotify, Angry Birds, Pokemon Go, and Minecraft, right? Uh, so is this, a, can you look at this article and think it's, a, I'm not sure it's the same issue, or this is another, just a yet another way that people are taking advantage of Apple. This is the Yahoo League? Taking, yeah, yeah. The one I just posted in a real-time follow-up. So, yeah, it says developers that have used enterprise certificates are in violation of Apple developer program. But the business thing, I was looking 
bring that up for a, for a client the other day. Um, it's they still go through the same app store review process, but but they you create a relationship between the company that's going to buy your app on mass. Like if you're building an app for you know a large corporation, for instance, and you don't want it to be on the general app store. That's what the business to business programs for, right? But from the article, it doesn't even sound like they're doing that at all. It's it sounds like exactly the enterprise program. In quoting uh, these companies you mentioned, have found ways to use digital certificates to get access to a program Apple introduced to let corporations distribute business apps to their employees without going through Apple's tightly controlled apps. Right, right. So that's absolutely the enterprise program. So yeah, it sounds like it's exactly the same thing. But they're going after the major apps like the Spotify's. Like there's a comment here from Robio uh, who make Angry Birds and Niantic. I don't know how to pronounce that, Jaime, but yeah, you think you got it right. I don't think I've heard it pronounced, but Niantic is how I've mentally pronounced it. Okay, yeah. And of course, you know, ciphering off revenue from these guys because, you know, if if these these are all games that make money, right? Or sort of services that make money. Yeah, I think the closest thing I've seen on the interwebs for a maybe halfway reasonable thing that Apple could do to sort of rein this in a little bit is somebody speculated maybe they could require that the enterprise certs only be available on devices that match a um, an MDM setup. So like hypothetically, if you are Starbucks, just to pick a, a random large corporation that has tons of people, has iOS devs, and has presumably a legitimate need to have apps that are not in the app store, but are only for their own employees' use, it would be perfectly reasonable if I was an employee of Starbucks. So, yep, my device, IT added it to the MDM, the mobile device management system. And yep, this enterprise cert matches, so therefore I can install this app. Well, I think that's how the, that's kind of sort of how the business app works, like the business certificate thing works. Like you create an Apple ID for that company that you're going to serve up your business to business app with, right? And then, so when it goes through a review process, you actually say this app is only to be used by Boeing or you know or right. you know Tim Hortons or something, right? And the hard part and, is proving that any random phone, which might be an employee's personal phone, not actually owned by the company. Uh, true. The true. hard part is is proving that that employee. Or that user who owns a phone is actually an employee of the company. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the hard part. Well, dark days ahead, I guess. Yep. Somebody posted, Mac Rumors posted, uh, they've done the calculus on when they think WWDC will be, and uh, they figured it out based on the date the the bash is going to be held because apparently in, in this rule in, or city rule or in San Jose where you have to register um, public events well in advance and so at the park where they do the uh, the bash do you know the name off, your, off the top of your head there Mark? Discovery Meadow Park. That's right, yes. Right? Apparently that uh, it requires permitting for large public events such as WWC Bench uh, well in advance and so they figured out that the date for that is uh, I think the June 6th or something like that which is the, which is the Thursday so they're doing the backward calculation and and determining that WWDC this year will take place on June 3rd to 7th in San Jose, California. Or, yeah, San Jose, California. So that's uh, something. So and so people are starting to say, well, let's start booking our uh, hotel rooms now, and you know, cause you can always cancel those reservations if you're so lucky enough to win the win the uh, the lottery. Was there a, a shortage of hotel rooms last year, Mark? Do you know? I actually have no idea because I didn't. You have even a nice check. little Airbnb. <laughs> I just stayed at my house. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Just look out your your back door your patio to see if the line is getting long and then hurry up and get ready to and walk out there is that how well, i can't actually see the convention center from my house. <laughs> no no you can see russia from my house yeah no by the way speaking of airbnb 
Hades, which I don't know if you caught my joke there, but um, did you hear there's a, a girl that got charged today with uh, throwing uh, patio furniture? They have the, they built all these uh, condos right beside the Gardner Expressway, which runs right downtown. It's our main highway into the city. And she took a lawn, some lawn furniture and threw it over the balcony and, and almost landed it on the, the main highway, right? Which, of course, you know, if some if from the 44th floor or whatever it was, it would have killed somebody. But so she they posted a video on on Instagram or something like that. And, uh, of course, it went, you know, and you could see who she was. It wasn't like they tried to hide it or whatever. And, uh, yeah, so they, they figured out who it was today and charged her. So you never know what, Wait, what you get with your what Airbnb. What was that with Airbnb? Was she, was she what was an Airbnb staying, rental that she was Airbnb. staying in? Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. yeah. So, yeah. So, and, of course, the the renter didn't even know that. Like, of course, the, the the patio furniture is in one of their, their you know, nice highlight photos of the of the property, right? So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but, I, I you know, like, I've often wondered as I drive by these these places, like, who would build, who would want to live in a in a in a condo right beside the highway. Well, clearly it's for Airbnb use, right? Or, you know, some sort of investment product or whatever, but just speaking of Airbnb. But what I wanted to actually talk about too is I don't know if you guys have heard about this March 25th event that uh, I think just I just came to light today or yesterday. Apple is hosting an event um, on March 25th. Yeah, it's about mm-hmm. services. There's a rumor that it's about this uh, news subscription service. Oh, right. The new, uh, yeah, yeah. The new um, the thing that Jaime mentioned a couple of weeks ago, but couldn't remember the name of it, which was Texture, I believe, right? That Apple bought that company. Well, that was my speculation that that's sort of where they they built it up from, you know, all the bringing in the content and billing and maybe usage of some sort. I don't remember how Texture worked. Yeah, it was, well, it was a product here in Canada for your iPad and and you could get your major uh, publications through it, you know, like a digital copy of them, sort of what we were trying to do back in 2010, right? With the magazine stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, And then Apple had that new stand for a while that didn't really go very far as they try to figure out how to charge people money for content. You know? Yeah, I do. I do remember that, and I remember folks um, semi abusing the newsstand stuff because newsstand apps had special abilities, like like updating with covers, you know, quote unquote covers. Yeah, like, well, you could download content in the background. That's where they came up with that whole, you know, and they had that whole service where they would store the content for you and let you download it rather than having a big payload in your your main app, right? And that right. offline off offsite backup or download or whatever. I forget what they called it. Right. But people were abusing that. You say? Well, I mean. It, there's only so far you can go, but there were people sort of stretching the boundaries of like, oh, does okay. this qualify as a newsstand? It's supposed to be at the time like Time Magazine and Cosmo and Newsweek. It wasn't really supposed to be. Hey, this app like that has some newsletter content. Okay, that's good enough. You know, it qualifies. I want right, to basically right. wanted to get all the extra SDK capabilities that you know by now have long been in normal iOS stuff. But it was it was the the wild west, the hotness that everybody wanted. Hmm. Well, according this article I posted from uh, from Yahoo that uh, uh, the event could be yeah subscription service like Mark said you know for the long rumored TV and film subscription platform as well to rival Netflix and Amazon mm-hmm. so, yeah interesting yeah. stuff I, I do kind of hope that the March 25th event ends up with something else besides that you know we, we talked about the um, the spec bump for the iPad mini that seems kind of reasonable right, you know, it's yeah. not going to be like the most exciting iPad mini update but like, hey it's faster than it was before Okay, cool. Oh, but if you're introducing new magazine content, you know, iPad's a perfect platform for that. And same with uh, television and videos and movies and stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, they're, they're not going to announce a new iPhone, and I don't expect the mainline iPads, like iPad Pros and stuff, to be announced there. That's probably the fall, but, you know, nice spec bumps to the iPad Mini 
maybe the I forget what the educational iPad if it even has a different name. You know, the cheaper one, the more entry level. Mm-hmm. That kind of makes sense too. You don't really need a ton of horsepower to look at magazines and stuff. It makes a really good consumption device. Um, maybe they'll come out with the HomePod View with a screen on it or something. <laughs> and, <laughs> in order to make sure all your devices have enough power to to read all these subscriptions, they're finally going to introduce Air Power. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it would help <laughs> melt melt the snow that yeah. I mean are are buried under right now. Yeah. Anyway, Air Power. There you go. And the Mac Pro. Rumored. And the Mac Pro. Well, the Mac Pro is pretty hot too, I'm sure. Right? Yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Like a little space heater underneath your desk. All right. And if you put a ping pong ball on, t- on top, you can watch it go around as the fans blow. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, so this came out today. So who is it? Did you guys, I don't know if you guys saw on Forbes that uh, every time they release an article, they say, this is the worst, you know, thing ever. And it's like the next update from Apple. Like, you know, you know, iOS 12.4 is, is the worst thing ever. And wait till you see what Apple has in store for you. Kind of like, you know, in a, in a sort of doom and gloom kind of message. Oh, it's clickbait. And apparently, apparently they, they do that for every single release of the OS. Like, you know, because people people went back and found that they use that same headline every single... And it's, it's always Forbes, right? So, questionable high, questionable headlines. And so, when I saw this headline today, the data is in. Apple sales in China were horrendous. And this is, of course, from the Wall Street Journal again, um, but I've got a different link. And same... I, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks. I don't know if this is, is, is even news to us anymore, right? But... Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's not news that the numbers were bad. Uh, I hadn't seen the actual numbers before, although they're fairly round. It was basically saying that that uh, Apple sales or phone sales were down by twenty percent in China. So right, twenty percent is an awfully round number. So it's uh, who's you know who's to say whether that's real or if that's just some approximation somebody made. But if it's that order of magnitude, yeah, that's that's pretty significant. Although completely in line with the with the results, Apple's results and the and the market's reaction to. It. So nothing too shocking there, but it's interesting to see the actual numbers. Yeah, but then by the same token, this article also points out that Huawei's um, shipments were up 23%, you know, with a 29% mark, giving them 29% of the market. Um, and the, yeah, of course, they, they blame the price of the the phones in the last couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. The iPhone 10 being a, a people people reevaluating their their uh, upgrade um, replacement cycle, right? Um, it was something else. And of course, they mentioned the, the Huawei exec that, got, that uh, got detained by the Canadian government or Canadian authorities here uh, on behalf of the U.S. had to throw that into this article. So, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, and of course, you know, the, the whole 5G thing is in, apparently Huawei, Huawei is a big uh, player in 5G network or the, the coming network. They so. do have some sort of equipment um, beyond the, the handsets, but some sort of equipment that internet service providers would, would need or, or purchase. I, I forget what that is, but that is a big reason why they've been on the wrong side of the U.S. government and uh, mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff going on between the USA, China, and Canada, sort of halfway in the middle there. Um, I forget what that equipment is, but it is some sort of network equipment that is uh, more than just like, oh, their phone can accept 5G. There's there's some sort of other stuff. It says base stations, routers, and switches. So it's sort of back-end stuff, mostly. Mm-hmm. But you see that just before that, it said the U.S. is lobbying to bar their bar telecom operators from buying 5G network equipment mm-hmm. from Huawei. No, oh, more drama. Great. <laughs> so, Mark, what do you got here for two-factor for us? Uh, so this is probably no surprise to most registered developers because Apple sent out an email talking about this uh, just yesterday or today, but starting in, uh, when is the exact date? February 27th. Uh, February 27th. uh, Apple is requiring two-factor authentication to get into your iTunes Connect or developer, Apple developer accounts. Anything where you need an Apple ID to get into a dev account. Right, right. So I guess it's, again, this is no surprise. I don't think it's been, you know, it's, it's been available for a while now. 
uh, and now they're just uh, taking the next step of requiring it. Uh, it'll be a little bit of a pain, I think. Sometimes it's already kind of a pain. Sometimes I don't have the, if I'm away from you know the office or whatever, I don't have the specific phone that is the official phone for that's associated with the account, so I can't get a right, uh, right. get the the text sent or whatever. But overall, I think it's probably a good thing. It will you know help to keep things more secure. Yeah, I kind of I got the email today too, and it came as a surprise because it came to one of my accounts that I I managed on behalf of somebody else, right? Mm. And uh, yeah, it was a bit of a surprise because that kind of like makes my life a little more challenging, especially since I've had a history with with this two factor authentication. Um, so yeah, I'll have to go. I'll have to go in and, and turn it on, on on that particular account. But um, well, you don't have to. They're going to turn it on for you if you don't. Do no, it. I know. That's what I'm saying. But I, I might as well. I might as well beat them to the punch. I, I did actually. I think. Uh, yeah, I was going to. I was going to mention this today. But this is sort of a PSA for us with our with our listeners that they're going to have to. You know, if they haven't thought about it, they're going to have to go and do it, right? Because mm-hmm. um, yeah, like some some accounts where you're sort of like I'm a, I'm a team, like I'm not I'm not the team agent, but I'm sort of the main developer kind of thing, right? Um, but yeah, the challenge. But and but I was going to say as a side story. Both my Google um, Gmail account and my Apple account in the last week have both Apple sort of said, oh, we're locking down your account because, you know, there's been some activity or whatever, right? And I, I was actually just trying to get iCloud working on another machine. But so I had to change all I said. Of course, I've got the two separate, separate Apple IDs still, which is a major pain in the ass. So I had to go in and figure out which one they were talking about. So I ended up changing those two passwords. And then, then of course, I'm getting all these, you know, belt things popping up all over the place every time I try and go to another machine and use my account. Out, I get this, you know, this challenge, which is fine. But the but then Google did the same thing to me. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? You know. So were you using a VPN? Uh, no, no, okay. just sitting at home. Okay. Yeah, and it was different. It was they weren't on the same day. They were different days. But yeah, I was surprised when I, the Google one they sent me an email saying you haven't used this account in 30, 365 days, so we're going to shut it down. And I'm like, wait a minute, hang on a second, let me go check that. And I went in and checked it, and then of course it was tied to my Google always, you know, the always signed in one that I use for YouTube and for Gmail and for Google Docs and stuff like that, um, which I don't understand how that's secure if I'm always signed in. But um, yeah, it's, you know, major pain in the butt. But yeah, and, and actually, I think it was iOS 12. Is it 12 we're on now? Yeah, that was the one that solved the problem that I used to have to go in and manually retrieve the code because I didn't have the device, like you said. It didn't, ha- it didn't, it didn't pop up all the time on my phone, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. And Carol and I share a family account. And for some reason, every time I get every time I get challenged with this, uh, you know, the, the six-digit code, she also gets a pop-up on her phone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, something that's not right in Denmark. I was a little unclear on this. And so when I saw the email yesterday or today, I remember which it was, it came relatively early in the morning. And so I'm like half asleep. I already have the two-factor authentication set on my Apple ID. It was really unclear to me from reading the support articles whether there was some separate thing I needed to do for the developer program that they mentioned here. Because they're really specific. And like, oh, like general, it's like, oh, for the certs and provisioning profiles, and other stuff. And I looked at the support article and I said, mm, this looks like a normal user, like as if I was setting up a new device and going to get all my yep, iCloud yep. photos and stuff under the device. Is, is that it? Like, is that sufficient or is there something I'm being negligent in understanding? I got the same thing too. It came from me. It came at four o'clock in the afternoon. So I don't know. One of them came at four. Let's see when the other one came. Because they don't, they don't, again, they're, mass, they're emailing how many of us are there? Like 160 million developers or something like that. So it takes a while for the servers to, to dole them all out. Yeah, that would make sense. I don't. I don't think I've gotten any for the work accounts yet. Um, even though I did get the. Oh, by the way, the groups and users on App Store oh, Connect wait, have so been. Oh, my work one too. Oh, yeah, I forgot about and that. Consolidated. No. 
<laughs> yeah, so it was a very user unfriendly email because it made me think, oh, here's this thing I need to do. And I looked and it's like, I, I think I already did it. I don't think there's anything else to do. And it's funny that you mentioned yeah. the Google doing weird things like user unfriendly emails. Both Google and IBM will email me very scary sounding, unhelpful things. In Google's thing, it'll be like, oh, we're going to delete your Google Cloud platform, um, like development environment or something. And I look and I get yeah, all scared, yeah, yeah. like, oh, what are you deleting? Don't delete my stuff. <laughs> and I was like, oh, exactly, wait a minute. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's just those like toy things that I was messing around with. That, that's fine. You're, you're going to leave the actual projects there. You're just going to delete the little scratch pad environment that uh, the command line yeah, interface yeah. with. All right, that's cool. That's You don't have to scare me for that. Heck. And then on the IBM side, it's like, hey, you're going to be charged for blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, no, what's happening? And I look and it's like, wait, is the bill $0? Why do you even bother me for that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Should at yeah. least be a penny <laughs> and let me know that there's a charge of some sort. It's just weird, very user unfriendly automated systems that I'm sure for, you know, 90% of people it's valid. But for me, I'm like, I just don't bother me with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So what, so what it was for me, like, it, it's, I was just going to say that I don't get spam anymore. I get two factor authentication emails all day long as much spam. Anyway, so it was G suite was the thing that triggered my, uh, my Google, my Google thing. So I guess what, um, the 10th, I got this email from the G suite saying that my reseller, blah, blah, blah account would be suspended because I haven't used it since, you know, mm. on or around March 12, 2019. So, so then I went and what's, if I want to keep my account, log in here. So of course I didn't go, I didn't click the link in the email, which of course you all guys, you guys all know not to do, right? I went to, I went to the, I went and typed in the website by hand. And then of course, you know, I couldn't remember what the password was, right? And that's what started me down this slippery slope of, of uh, changing my password. And, you know, cause I went in and I, and I said, uh, okay, I forgot my password. I'm sorry. F- please forgive me kind of thing. And then that sort of started the whole uh, cascaded to all of my, my Google stuff, you know? And I know for a fact that there are some devices right now that I'm quote, I'm doing air quotes again, log, logged in on through Google that I haven't touched in a couple of days. And I'm sure when I get to those, I'm going to get challenged again. Right. I have to do, I do have to say though, I really do like the Google authenticator flow of, of, you know, vetting things like, cause I think, um, you know, Bitbucket's using that now and a bunch of other services are using that. So, you know, rather it's, it's almost like the RSA token thing that, you know, that we use at, at, uh, at our, at our work, you know, it, it just makes it easier cause you've got it right there in, in your, your possession. Right. So, and you guys use, you use Google authenticator as well, right. Or some kind of authy thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm using Google yeah. authenticator. Yeah. I don't know. For the ones that I use the most, I have, I, I, I make sure that that one is using a, a mechanism that I have with me all the time. And the, one, the other ones I use Google authenticator for or whatever, cause I go in, I don't go in them that often. I do like the extra fence of having, you know, I can have a password, but I know also, I also have to enter this code to get in. It kind of, I think it makes me feel better that, that there's like a, there's a watchdog on, on the, you know, or, or dar, a doorman on the door kind of thing, right? Yeah. Gatekeeper. And I do know that one password offers the 2FA authenticator type stuff. Um, I've hesitated, you know, I, people who've listened to the show know I'm a huge fan of one password. I've, I've hesitated to go yeah. that route only because I say, okay, worst case, somebody somehow, you know, gets my one password password. And they, they break in that way. Well, the damage is kind of limited because good luck, you don't have access to the authenticator app. Right. Right. <laughs> um, this does have some downsides if like, okay, I, I might not have access to the authenticator app either. If like my phone falls down a well, um, there are, there are alternatives to that, you know, like the special one-time codes and stuff, but I, I haven't found something that will securely seamlessly be everywhere I need it to be, but also somehow stay out of the hands of, uh, people who should not have it. Um, 
maybe I'm just being paranoid about it. It, it might be, you know, more practically uh, pragmatic to just go ahead and put it into one password because I enjoy and love the service as it is. But I, I just haven't crossed that um, psychological safety boundary yet. Yeah, yeah. So if there's anybody out there, you know, who who is using that full sort of suite with one password, you know, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag AskMTJC. Very curious to see if or how you're using that setup. Is that part of the, the normal subscription service? Or is that an additional thing? That's a good question. I haven't even really looked into the details because I said, well, if I keep these two separate, you know, it's that much harder for people to get into my stuff. Yeah, one thing I've done with one password, though, I don't know if you do this or not, but I've gone in and like, you know, you know when you have, have those questions, you have to remember the answers you gave because, um, you know, the temptation is just use the same questions over and over again and same answers over and over again. But one thing I learned from uh, from one of the people who one password is to store in in with, you know, where, the, where you have the record for your login, you can also mm-hmm. put, put in securely put in the questions and answers so that they're they're obfuscated, right? So, which is handy if you you know ever need to go and do a forgot your password flow, right? Yeah, he's like, what is your dog's name? This thirty-two word passphrase, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Yeah, because it's, it's yeah. in one password. So, like, what do I care what it is? It'll automatically fill that for me. Yeah, it's funny. I went to I went to use one of the suggested type passwords that Apple gave me for one 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 of the like you know I, I just got tired and went okay fine sure whatever and then I used the same formula that because I had to change my one password formula to to be words or something like that like words with you know, which apparently words are are like five words is more secure than like some gobbledygook eight character password um, that's the theory but I went to use that on a website and it's like no you got to use like special characters and exclamation point you know a special character and and a and a number and uppercase character and you know otherwise it's not secure you know so yeah kind of broke the formula yeah i've worked with one of those that is so you know we were joking about password one two three four five i've yeah. definitely encountered some crazy password schemes password requirement schemes that gave you like five possible passwords you could possibly enter in that would yeah, be valid yeah, for, yeah. for the rules generator yeah crazy i i do I'm, i got it about i mean lately there's been a, a sort of a breakdown in the one password flow but i really do rely on that one person password you know generator thing even more so than like i know icloud often often tries to offer you passwords too right um i still i still tend to prefer to go with with one password i don't know about you i use that all the time i use uh icloud password for, yeah yep. yeah it's handy because if you do the sharing across uh, the devices yeah. too it's super it, it keeps works. it all in sync right yeah yeah does it is it like does it sync right away or does it take a while i guess it's all syncing all right syncing, away. right yeah huh. yeah cool all right let's move on two-factor authentication that was a quick one <laughs> mm. all right um yeah, so th- I, this is another. I don't know if you saw this article or not, but uh, um, it came up came out last week. It you know people blew up on a Twitter about it, and uh, this is the fact that um, and it's no surprise. I mean, like we know, I think everybody knows or should know that um, applications that you use on your phone are going to be using analytics of some type to sort of keep track of things. And we know that there are some crash reporters that can record your your screen, right? Well, it turns out that one called uh, Glassbox. Has has turned up on applications like Air Canada, Canada's own Air Canada, uh, Hollister, Expedia, um, Abercrombie & Finch, Singapore Airlines, and what it's doing, what it can potentially do is it can it can record you know video of you entering stuff on your keyboard. And as we all know, when you enter type on a key on a on an iOS keyboard, the characters are quite visible, you know, because they kind of pop up for a split second there. So people could actually basically essentially keylog what you're doing. And my favorite co- comment in this whole thing was was they're talking about um and I'm, i think the screenshots here from air 
Canada, but there's talking about the fact that when you're entering in payment information, the screen, you can actually see the screen information in clear text because obviously you're just entered it in, right? It's not, you're not using password or obfuscating fields, right? And uh, the comment was that it's mostly, uh, mostly obfuscated in here, but I don't know if you, have you guys heard about this story at all? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm, this is mm-hmm. a, this is a big problem. This is, this is way worse than, than something that just takes a screenshot and sends it in because with a, with a screenshot, yeah, you're, exactly as you said, you're not seeing the actual action of tapping the, the key, which shows key, yeah. you actually tapped. So yeah, this is a big security issue. I'm not surprised that Apple has uh, has banned this and is forcing this to be removed, apps to be removed from well, the store based on this. Yeah, so the, the first article that I posted here is, is talking about that. And the second article um, talks about how Apple's like decided, this is like decided after a day. Um, they didn't take a week or whatever to do react this time, but like within a day they were, cause it was on, it was even, I think it was even on the uh, was it on the news? I can't remember. Like FaceTime one was on the news, but um, yeah, like within a day they, they they went and said, you know, if you're gonna use these kind of things, you're gonna have to. Uh, are they removing them from the shore, or, do you, or you have to disclose to people that they're doing it? I think they're banning apps who who do that. I think it was really yeah, short yeah. too. I think it was like a 24 hour time frame. You had to submit yeah, yeah. some yeah. new thing that that complied. Yeah. And like I, I understand why people want that sort of. Let, let's assume non nefarious, right? Like non nefarious actors. Like what are they trying to do? Like a lot of people want the heat map sort of thing. Like are people missing the button that we would like them to tap to add funds to their account or buy the widget or did they completely miss that we have this new thing that's supposed to show them how this feature works totally get that it looks like right, yeah this came up because there's apparently a way to mask this sort of information so it doesn't so you can still get the ability to see where people tapped um on the ui but not necessarily like oh here's the keyboard where they were typing in information or the um you know split second um, obfuscated password sort of thing where you can see a you know dot b dot sort of thing and i do know that separately in the back of my mind there were some third-party sdks that were meant for like in-house development beta builds of like oh what were our testers doing when this thing crashed oh okay now it's automatically recording but that's you know for artificial means and it's for people who are aware that it's not their own info right or the other thing i've seen with those third-party sdks back in the day was oh you ran into an issue you'd like to get some customer support to understand what you saw so you can flick on the recording function and and you would knowingly say yep here it is see when i go to this screen and i tap on this it blows up okay cool there now customer support has a better idea of how to resolve that my guess is just in the whole vein of like security things is hot on everybody's mind this kind of got caught up in that it certainly seems like a legitimate thing for apple to crack down on especially because you have you know on device recording like if you really really needed to get the same sort of information for uh, qa purposes or customer support purposes i think ios nowadays provides everything you need it's not like it was six years ago where you had to do these sort of like on the side sort of things yeah and there were clearly people doing this without telling their customers or or making it clear outside of the very fine print that this was happening. And that's the real problem. I, although, as you said, Tim, I, I think it is reasonable for users to expect that there are analytics being tracked. Uh, I don't think it's reasonable for users to expect that someone is essentially filming them, not them, but filming their screen Yeah, yeah. while, while they're using an app. That's that kind of... Well, I mean, beyond. they're doing it for the... doing it to capture like the last 30 seconds before a crash. That's what where where I've heard the kind of thing being used. But well, a, talking about a non-malicious person yes yeah of course yeah 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 well i mean and, and they're, they're talking here about in this article this TechCrunch article they they got a, an app analyst to do uh, or sorry we asked the app analyst it's all uppercase so i guess it's a real person a real service to um sam take a look at them through ch- 
Charles Proxy, which is a man-in-the-middle tool you can use to, to look at the streams coming to and from your app. And they found that the data was not being obfuscated as it was sent back and forth yeah. off the device, So, which is always a bad, you know, always a bad idea, right? So I think we, I don't know if you remember, but I talked about um, Rob Napier's talk two years ago at 360 iDev, and he was saying the first thing a developer should do when they get a user's password is salt it so that not even the developer can see what the password is. Well, what's more interesting about what you just said about someone using Charles Proxy is yeah. if, if they know that the that things weren't being obfuscated in the video, that means the video wasn't encrypted in any way. They could actually... Right, exactly, video. yeah. So yeah. anyone with a sniffer in Starbucks or whatever could be watching this video of you typing your password to your bank account. Yeah, yeah. But, if you, but if you're using um, HTTPS as the, as the network, it's, it does, that's a low-level encryption, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but, but apparently they weren't because if you can actually see okay, the video using right. Charles Proxy, then it's not using HTTPS, right? Yeah, well, he's talking about the data, like not necessarily the, the video, but he's talking about like, you know, characters and strings and things like, things like that going back and forth to the, in the JSON, whatever pa- payload they're using, right? Yeah, not good, not good. So what's our advice to developers who may be involved in this kind of thing? Like, should they, what, what would we tell them? Don't do this. Don't do that. It's the easy Don't thing to do. do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, I mean, maybe, you know, most people who do it probably don't have bad intentions. And so, so just be aware that this is, there is a security hole here and you want to protect your customers at all costs. So uh, if you're using this kind of thing, you, you really should take it out unless you can ensure that it's, that it's completely encrypted and obfuscated and safe. Yeah, I think if you're using, if you're using data in, in your app and you're sending it over, you know, to an API or whatever call, I think it's your responsibility to make sure that, that it's as protected as it can be, right? Um, whether you're salting it on, on the app side and sending it up and, you know, whatever, just storing it in that salted format or whatever, or encrypted format. Um, you know, I think that it behooves, you know, everyone to sort of be aware that, you know, don't put things like, like runs, like every now and then grab your, your IPA, bring it down to your, your machine, unzip it, you know, put, change the, the extension to zip and open it up and then run strings on the, on the package and see what, what you've left in the bundle that, that can be read clearly as a string with the strings command in, on in Unix terminal, right? So there's a lot of different ways. There, there are services you can even hire if you're, if people are interested, you can, there are companies you can hire that will scan your, your, uh, your AP, IPA looking for common, you know, uh, coding errors that, that are unsecure and that kind of stuff, right? Like whether you're leaving comments in or whatever, I'm not saying comments are bad, but whatever is in the app that there are some bad practices, bad, you know, styles of API calls that maybe you're doing in your app that you're not aware of. And these, these, it, if you're serious about it, I don't know. Can't think of the names of the of the companies off the top of my head, but I do know there are uh, companies out there. If you, they're not cheap, but you can hire them to to scan your app to to make sure it's secure. Right at a point there, Jaime. Oh, I was just going to point out this is something we brought up maybe a few months ago that you really should think very deeply about do you actually need this data not not want of like well right. you know it'd be nice to have because maybe we can look better it's like just think of it as a liability and a responsibility it's like do i even need this odds are pretty good you don't so then if you don't have it you know you're free and clear you don't have to worry about the responsibility right, but if right. you if you do really need it then you absolutely need to make sure that you are using tools that um that are very responsible and, and don't leak out information and you have to make sure that you are using those tools in such a way that don't accidentally leak out 
right information. You know, if it has like a obscure this view parameter, you know, make sure that you're testing and code reviewing and doing everything you can to make sure there are no mistakes. And you should probably run it and make sure yourself that that's that's working correctly. Um, otherwise, yeah. you you end up getting the sledgehammer from Apple, who's like, oh, there you go, We're bringing out the ban hammer on everything that's even remotely like this. Yeah, and like I said, there, you can Google how to check and see if your apps are secure too. There's lots of different ways to, to get the, the ideas that, that I was talking about. I remember seeing some articles back when I was first starting out on how to you know take your IPA and look at it and see what what you're actually delivering. Um, but what does Uncle Ben say, Tommy? Uncle Ben the Rice. Spider Man's uncle. Spider Man's uncle wasn't it Uncle Ben. <laughs> that Uncle Ben. I'm sorry. With great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode brought to you by Uncle Ben's Rice. It tastes real good. <laughs> Go buy some. Use coupon code extra responsibility. Ask MTJC to get twenty percent off in the first box at Costco. <laughs> yeah, I always think of Rice Aroni, the San Francisco treat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So Jaime, what do you got for speaking? Of, let's get all healthy now. What, what do you got there? Yeah, and speaking of responsibility here, um, Apple has announced a uh, partnership with the uh, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. So it will read this pe- sentence from the paragraph here. For the first time, American veterans receiving care through the Veterans Health Administration will be able to securely view their aggregated health records directly in the health app on their iPhone. Um, that seems pretty neat. I mean, if you've ever taken a look at the, the health app, you know, Apple Watch users, people who do all sorts of stuff related to that um, health activity tracking, it's it's pretty neat that they're doing this. Uh, certainly access to health care records is still the great unsolved problem. And I'm really unclear um, how this works from like a um, HIPAA, I forget what that stands for, but it's the big regulations around, you know, securing, maintaining privacy for healthcare records. Apparently this somehow works. So that's cool. I would certainly like to see this sort of thing for all of my records. Um, let's say immunization records, because that's a hot topic here in the US of A and, and yeah, in my right. yeah. neck uh-huh. of the woods of the Pacific Northwest. Um, so kudos to Apple and the Department of Veterans Affairs for doing this. Real time follow up. HIPAA stands for Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. Right. Yeah, we have something similar in Canada too. There's there's a big uh, push towards uh, online health records and stuff like that, and security and privacy and stuff. Yeah, big time. Can veterans afford iPhones? Mm. Mm, that's a good question. Well, there were a whole bunch of iPhone SEs found at Tim Cook's garage <laughs> yeah. that they put up on the App Store or the Apple Store. Well, I mean, so. if if Apple really wanted to, you know, go the go the extra mile, they would basically, you know, have some sort of subsidy for phones too, or, or plans or whatever, right? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if someday that does happen. We were talking about them doing the same sort of thing with healthcare. Uh, health insurance providers, right? Where right. you get a subsidized yeah. Apple Watch. It's it seems like a hop, skip, and a jump away to have that be part of a, a government were they, system. Were they providing watches, or we were just talking about it? We were talking about it mm. when we were trying to figure out what the big news about about healthcare right. was, and it, right. I think it turned out to be the uh, something to do with Medicare, right? That they were talking about something like that, or is it like this? That. I forget it was. Yeah, it could even be this. Like, imagine you know you were rumormonger dot com. I don't. Please don't go there. I don't know if it's an appropriate site. I just, <laughs> So that one, you know, imagine you were work. looking for, you know, that sort of stuff. You think, oh, look, Apple's doing this like huge health thing. They're going to make this announcement. Like, well, they have made an announcement. It was literally just on their newsroom. It wasn't like they had an event for it, but it's it's still pretty large in the grand scheme of things news. It's like, oh, wow, that's that's a big step for uh, government records to 
be in this sort of private, uh, easy to use form factor. Right. Right. All right. Okay. So I guess so it's time to move to our picks. What do you think? So I go first. Um, this is my PSA for you folks out there. I don't know if you realize this or not. We've talked about the iPhone battery replacement program for the iPhone six and six plus, uh, series of apps. Uh, there was a, the story, I don't know, six months ago about Apple throttling and everybody having up in arms about that. But so Apple came out with a, uh, replacement program where for, you can get a, a battery replacement for your iPhone six and six plus, uh, for, uh, 50 percent off the price so basically i think 29 dollars i believe is the replacement cost for this uh this um battery but you have to act quick because the battery pro- replacement program ends on this in december of wait a minute this is 2018 yeah you could pull this part out of the episode but i was <laughs> having doubts about my sanity when i was like what where, where's tim going with this one <laughs> Oh, so it's already over. Yeah, two months oh, ago. Oh, man. <clears throat> this is the problem with, yeah, the internet. Well, t- October 6, 2018 is the, art- the article publication date. All right. I guess I don't have a pick this week. Um, <laughs> so, Jaime, do you have a pick? <laughs> Sorry. I'm still... As I scramble to go find a pick. <laughs> I, was I was really wondering. I was questioning my sanity. I was like, where is he going with this one? Um, <clears throat> let me... Okay. He realizes his prices and it's going in the show, right? <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's one of those picks that's so good we picked it multiple times. and It's an evergreen pick, right? <laughs> Oh, well. I tried to be nice. I tried to help people out, you know? Oh, well. Well, um, my pick is the conference videos for DevFest Baltics 2018. Um, they just went out on the interwebs, in this case, YouTube. I apologize. Just like last time, I um, have not seen any of these, so I can't you know, point what? out any particular recommendations. But I will say ones I am interested in are, um, where is it? Um, use Kotlin to share code between iOS and Android. I have heard people talk about this sort of topic and it seems really interesting because you know, you, you just sort of squint and Kotlin and Swift look so similar. It, it doesn't seem unreasonable as a way to share code between um, iOS and Android. Like, conceptually, I don't know the details. I, again, haven't watched this talk, but I'd rather do that than have, like, a C, a C++ library, because that's kind of painful in Swift. If there's an easier Does way... Does Kotlin have ABI stability, by the way? I it must, right? I don't know, because I don't know... I mean, it interacts with the JVM, so maybe that's a complicated question because it presumably generates bytecode to interface with the the Java virtual machine. I don't actually I don't actually know enough to know if ABI stability is applicable in their circumstance. Oh, so so if it if it, if it translates into into JVM, does that mean that the iPhone app would have to, or the iOS app would have to have the JVM running in it? I guess we'd have to watch this video because I really I really don't know the answer <laughs> to the question. I wish I could help you, Tim, but I, I I could surmise that it is either you know running a small JVM type thing. Uh, within the context of you know iOS and Android apps, or I could see that maybe right. since Java also has the JNI, the Java Native Interface, maybe it is under the covers producing actual you know compiled C or C plus plus binaries that you don't actually have to mess with because you're interfacing through the Java slash maybe abstracted Kotlin layer. 
right. no idea. That's that's a big reason why that was on my list. I'm like, oh, that seems really cool. I'd like to learn more about that. But of course, um, Kotlin won't have direct access to any of the Cocoa or Cocoa Touch libraries, so there'll have to be some kind of layer in between. It might be possible to share, you know, business, modeling or business something, logic yeah. uh, code, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, right. or whatever. But but uh, I don't think. Well, I haven't watched talk either, but it, but it doesn't seem like you'd be able to write a complete iOS code, uh, iOS app uh, in Kotlin. In Kotlin, just you know, quote natively, you'd have to have some kind of layer in between. Yeah, that w- that would be my guess as well. That this is more for sharing the hard business logic, and then you know, letting your UI be the piece that you independently work about or worry about on your iOS and Android teams. Interesting. There's another. Speaking of our our show today, there's a, a talk by Marcos Palonca, no, Placona, Marcos Placona, called "I Just Hacked Your App," which looks like it's probably what I was talking about before. Ways to see how your how secure your apps are. Yeah, it looks like an interesting list. It looks like it's a mix of both um, iOS and Android, or maybe it leans a little bit more Android-y. It's hard to tell. I mean, there's like Coromel for Everyone by um, Paul Hudson. should probably be a very yeah. recognizable name. So it, it might be... Or John the, Sundell is there as well. Oh, yes, he is. Yep. Coding and for Marcin Krasinowski. That name oh, I'm a little, little bit less familiar. Where where do you know um, Marcin from? Oh, he's done a lot of stuff, on, a lot of talks on and uh, tutorials and stuff like that on um, on iOS. Cool, cool. Seem, seems like a good lineup. Um, again, I can't recommend any particular ones other than the ones I'm interested in, but there you go. Link is in the show notes for those of you driving at home. Yep. All right. Mark, you have a pick this week. I do have a pick. Uh, in the spirit of more than just code, and this is way more than just code, uh, this week for the beer aficionados out there, craft beer fans, uh, this is Pliny the Younger Week. If you know your beer, you already know what that means, but uh, if you don't, I will tell you. Uh, there is a brewery up north of San Francisco called the Russian River Brewing Company, and what they make very good beers. Uh, they're, they're kind of famous for for a double IPA that they call Pliny the Elder, which was kind of the original of what's sort of known as the the West Coast style IPA. It's very hoppy, uh, kind of kind of uh, kind of beer, and uh, you know that's that's pretty common. You can get that fairly uh, often around here. But one thing they do just once a year is they make a triple IPA called Pliny the Younger. So the the more common one is the Elder, and then this one's the Younger. This one is in such limited supply that most bars can't even get. Uh, and the ones that do uh, get just a very, very small keg of it, and it usually disappears within hours of them announcing that they have it. There's lines down the down the block or around the block uh, for, for people who want to have this beer because it's so rare. And it's it's actually kind of a cult uh, amongst uh, craft beer fans. Uh, but this is the one week of the year that it's available, so it may be too late by the time you hear this, but uh, check out your favorite watering hole and see if they maybe got it. And, and uh, if you if you can find it i definitely recommend that you give it a try because it's it's something you don't get every day so i recall two years ago when i was in your neighborhood that we went to the the beer the bar to try and catch this stuff right yeah and we were too late yeah because i it. was hemming and hawing it was my fault yep <laughs> i wasn't gonna bring that up but yes <laughs> <laughs> I'm like yeah i don't know yeah triple ipa do you know what i why, why ipas get their name from i think we probably maybe talked about this already on the show uh i don't know if we talked about it but yeah it's an india pale ale and they right. made it very strong because it would have to be on the boats sailing from England to to India without around the Cape Horn, yeah, 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 down but down right. south of Africa, yep, right. They made a special brew called the India India Pale Ale, but they're pretty trendy yeah, now. They're you know IPAs are are, are so probably the most popular style of beer these days. Mm-hmm. At least. It's very hoppy though. I'm, I'm surprised very people hoppy. like it. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's I different like varieties. Uh, you know, a double IPA and certainly a triple IPA are, are going to be really really hoppy. Uh, but there's other styles that are that are kind of hot now. There are these hazy 
IPAs, which tend to be a little more citrusy and sweet and less less hoppy, but they're still within the range of, of IPA. Right. Yeah. I don't know if you follow, but there's a there's a bunch of people I see on Twitter who use an app that uh, lists off craft breweries and they get little badges from yep. going to see them. Yep. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah. There's a couple of different ones. I use uh, one called Untapped. Yeah. I think that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's another one I think called Beer Hunter or something like that. Right. Interesting stuff. Yeah. This link is pretty impressive because it's not only a press release, but it's so well broken out. I mean, this could be like a spec doc. It has, you know, the beer, the man, the line, getting here, which has all sorts of options by plane, by train, yeah. by automobile, yeah. shuttle, parking, distribution, where to There's stay, hotel hotels. reservations. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a big deal. Promo code. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Although I do have to say this year, I was able to to get it uh, without standing in the line. I was kind of surprised. I actually looked on Untapped and I saw that there was a place fairly close to where I work that had it. And so I just went down there and, w- and just walked in and walked up to the bar and got it. So that's very unusual. Wow. I'd never been able to get it before, uh, kind of partly because it was Tim's fault. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mostly Tim's fault. <laughs> but uh, all, it was more because of the lines. You know, I never wanted to stand in line three hours just for one one beer, no matter how good it is. Uh, but this, yeah, I don't think I beer, did either. Yeah, uh, I, I think we're, we may be, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, maybe ruining my pe- my pick here, but, but we may be past peak Pliny, if you know what I mean. No. Oh. It may have, you know, the the uh, the the novelty and the and the um, you know the demand might have might have gone down a little bit from past years, but who knows? All right, cool. I'm looking here, so distribution because it says here uh, you will see it pop up in the Bay Area, Sacramento, SoCal, Oregon, which is of interest to me, Colorado, and Philadelphia. Hmm. So I might see if I can get some folks from work who regularly go between Portland and Seattle and see if I can get them to pick one up for me. Oh yeah. And, bring it up well you can't oh, it's, it's not in bottles you can't get it in bottles it's only in it's only draft yep, yep. oh i see i see oh man we have to okay well maybe we can convince a, a local area you probably to have pick to pay in cash too i see no, it says kegs good point it's not bottled okay i it's thought not. that was like an alternative that they had well they can bring you a keg then yeah <laughs> good luck with that <laughs> put a keg <laughs> in your honey overhead yeah yeah you know we can get laganistas ip up here now laganitas yeah yeah but, but here in, in ontario like at the bar yeah, no, that, that's a good one. It's it, it's you know it's it's another case of a former craft beer uh, going mainstream. Uh, right, just like right. you can get Sierra Nevada kind of anywhere now across the across the country. You can get Sam Adams kind of anywhere. These were beers that used to be small regional yeah. regional craft beers, but now are they've gone national and international in Canada. Yeah, more than just code. Yep. All right. Well, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, Mark, if people want to get in touch with you other, and buy you a beer, where would they? How would they do that? Uh, if they want to buy me a beer, they can. <laughs> get in touch with, with me any way they want. But uh, Mark R at smapsoft.com. Alrighty. And how many people want to get in touch with you? I'm on Twitter as at dev with the hair. All right. I'm on most social network things as Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, but Twitter is probably the best place to get a hold of me. So until next week, we'll say bye-bye. Bye. Bye. You've just experienced the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you'll find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items that we talk about on the show, picks for the episode, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website and write a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the recommend button. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. 
If you'd like to support the show, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. Thanks again for listening. Thing. Well, maybe not. Yeah, no, the next best thing is his son playing his music. Yeah, third best thing. Third best, yeah. I don't know. I mean, well, the holograph thing is just, I don't know. Is it like the LCD projection thing or something like that? Or what's the technology behind it? I don't know. Yeah. Well, they're going to bring back all the dead people. I'm surprised. That, I'm surprised. Well, so two things about that. One, I'm surprised that Zappa himself would let this happen, but I'm not surprised. Well, that Ahmed, <laughs> but, but I'm not surprised that Ahmed Zappa would let this happen because, mm. you know, he's a, I'm putting, I'm doing air quotes here, a businessman, right? Mm. So unlike Dwee's older Munion, who are, tend to be on the artistic side, yeah. you know, you could say that's where the talent is too, if you really wanted to, but mm. yeah, I mean, well, this is the big dispute that they had over the years, right? So wait, who is Ahmed? Is that another? son? Yeah, it's, there's four kids. Is yeah. uh, Dweezil uh, is the first, and then uh, Moon Unit, Unit who's yeah. just Moon now, hmm. and then um, uh, Amit, and then uh, Diva. Diva. Yeah, so yeah, their mother um, Gail kind of took over the finances of the family trust mm-hmm. for a few years and had some did some questionable things. And mm. when she passed away, she passed on the control of the business to Amit and Diva, as opposed to Dweezil and Moon, who were successful business people in the entertainment industry, right? So. Mm-hmm. Started a feud, mm. internal feud, yeah, which is, seems to be rectified now. But I don't know if this uh, holographic Zappa is, is part of that. It would have to be the Zappa Trust is behind it, right? Yeah, you'd think. Would block it otherwise. Yeah, yeah, because they own the music, right? Yeah, and well, and the thing about this is, I think part of like Gail Zappa didn't like iTunes, right? So that's why Zappa's music was never on iTunes until she passed. Yeah, and then the the, the boys realized, well, that's where the money is, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Yep. He was he, again, it was a unique talent. I don't know how I don't know how you replic- replicate his type of performance, you know. Yeah. Well, it would be his performance. It would just be a video of it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like there are plenty of videos of he recorded every every concert he put on, pretty much, right? So we're just about, you know. So, yep. yeah. so did you get your Steve Hackett and King Crimson tickets? I did, that's and it. I also got Stones tickets today. Surprisingly, oh wow, yeah. So Hell has frozen over. Tim bought tickets to see the Rolling Stones. Yeah, didn't Hell freeze <laughs> over like thirty years ago? Uh, when the Eagles reunited, you mean? Oh, that was the Eagles. Yeah, same same yeah. thing. Yeah, same yeah. idea. Well, this, the, the Stones have never never. That's been true. Frozen, they never right? stopped touring. Yeah, I went on their their farewell tour or not on the tour but I, I went to see them in their farewell tour I think back in ni- like 1987 something like that, is that the, wasn't that the Who that just had the farewell tours over and over again yeah they did that too yeah so I'm going to see the yeah. Who's this, this year I finally given up on I finally it's funny you know like I listened to the Who a lot when I was younger but I wasn't a huge fan when I was in university yep and that was when that was the I, I was running the bar the night that they uh, they had their big farewell concert in Toronto and it was mm. just like you know we had to put it on the TV and, and simulcast it and yeah it was just it was I just I kind of lost respect for them then you know with their uh their whole uh you know this is our final final tour sort of thing we right? mean it this time pay us more money yeah yeah and then uh yeah i kind of well i kind of thought when john whistled passed away they would stop too and then you know bill wyman left the stones and you know our mutual friend over at two she's a huge stones fan so we're going uh, okay. together oh, okay Good. yeah adrian leg is on tour who's that you don't know who he is oh, he's a yeah. uh he's a guitarist guitarist Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's all you seem to see is guitarists, guitarists. No, that's not all. <laughs> well, you went and saw the the G3 guys or whatever they're called these days, Steve Vai et al., right? Yes. 
No, I certainly go see guitarist guitarist. Don't get me wrong, but that's not all. I yeah, see. yeah, yeah. No, no, I know. Let's, you, you, I'll let you continue. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I like. I mean, I like that style of music. So this guy, um, he's a he's an acoustic finger picker, uh, mm. but he does some unusual stuff. So he was known last time I saw him live was in the '90s. So I, I don't know what he's been up to since, but back then he was real big on um, on ovations. So he had kind of a oh. unique ovation sound. Yeah, and he he would customize them with these basically banjo. Um, tuners. Okay, yeah. And the thing about banjo tuners, apparently, is they have stops on the tuners. So you can... Oh, so they click into position. Okay. Yeah, so so in the middle of a song, he would just change the tuning of the guitar. Yeah, yeah. And it basically <laughs> has kind of a slide sound as it slides down to the next tuning. Sure, yeah, And because yeah. of the stop, you can you, you know, you can do it precisely and still be in tune when you get down to the other end. That's, yeah, I saw, blue, I saw a bluegrass guy doing that once, you know, when, mm, in the middle of yeah. a song. He just, and, and it was like he worked it into like the bridge, you know, whenever he hit the bridge, he would, or the chorus, whatever, he would tune the guitar, drop the E, or, mm. you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever, have you heard of Don Ross? No. He's a Canadian dude. You should check him out. Okay. Dangerous, this dragon won't sleep is the name of the album, I think, and Dangerous mm. Dancing. Dan really good. Ross. Really sort of calisthenic, you know, guitars. Mm. Yeah. Acoustic. But I saw him, Carol and I saw him with three other guys. One was an American and uh-huh. another one was from Italy. And the three of them, so they did a show where, you know, they would, they came out and played together and then they would play, they each came out and played a, a piece, a couple of pieces of their own stuff and then they and then they came back and played again together and then they separated again and, and so when, so they basically each took a turn of running the show and then they played you know really like you know ath- super athletic you know guitar you know stuff on acu- but all acoustic right hmm. and um and, you know, you know but yeah carol and i've been listening to don ross for a long time he's got all kinds of really good uh, so i just stuff. googled dan ross don ross. Dan, oh, don ross okay don ross yeah yeah uh, there it is. okay yeah dan ross came up with a football player and a diving coach yeah, <laughs> yeah. all sorts sure of stuff okay. Don Ross comes up. Don, uh, he, he's the first one. Yeah, let's see. Let's see if he's ever touring. Yeah. Well, just go on Apple Music and check out. Uh, yeah. He's cut his hair off. What the hell? Oh, he's, he's playing uh, in London, Ontario in a couple of days. I've heard of that. Yeah. That's where we keep half of our company. Hmm. Yeah, we're oh, he's playing in Vegas. Berkeley April 10th. Hmm. Yeah, you should go see him. He's really good. Yeah. Or, I mean, just listen to some of his tunes or whatever, right? Except it's a Wednesday night. Oh, in, no, not a Wednesday night. In Berkeley. Was that, that's a hike? Berkeley's almost not and a half away. Oh, yeah. In the wrong wrong direction from, uh, where do you work now? Red Path? Red, uh, Redwood City. Redwood, yeah. Yeah, it's the other direction. Well, it's, yeah, yeah. Redwood City direction. sounds like a gunslinger town, but I guess it's for the trees, right? It is for the trees. Yeah. <laughs> that must be, it must be south, uh, what's the, the Muir Woods? The south end of that? No, Muir Woods is north of San Francisco. No, I know, I know, but I'm saying like this is south of San Francisco, right? It um, is, yeah, but Redwood, as far Redwood. as I know, there really aren't any Redwoods in Redwood City anymore. No? Oh. <laughs> well, there might have been really? one time there probably were at one time but yeah. now it's you know it's concrete i guess yeah they take up too much real estate i guess yeah right? yeah and real estate's expensive too big a footprint to get out of the transporter or transporter accident that you were stuck in? Yeah, the the snowpocalypse is uh, definitely a thing here. Oh, you got that Wait, going too? Are you not in Seattle? I am in Seattle, but I, I just barely... Well, I mean, I've been here this whole week, but uh, last week, last weekend, was pretty entertaining as I had to move my train to try to leave in the morning so that way I wouldn't get stuck in the uh, the heavy snowfall we had Friday night. It started Friday afternoon. Oh, right, yeah. Very oh, wow. quickly turned everything to a mess, especially because there 
had been snow already from I want to say Monday or Tuesday when I was out of town. Huh. Yeah, yeah, and that 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 cold that weather weather storm whatever you're in has now hit Toronto. It hit, hit us yesterday. So polar vortex. Yeah. Well, this is I don't know if it's the same one, but um, you know, it was like we got snow and then we got freezing rain and then we got snow on top of that to add, you know to add insult to injury kind of thing, right? So yeah, so I worked home worked from home the last couple of days. Yeah, we've had um, depending on the area a foot to two feet of snow and last afternoon maybe last night i can't remember when it started the cold freezing rain so it's a slushy mess today that i had to deal with but um you know i work from home so it's it's fine just dwindling supplies at the moment i'll be eating you know cans of beans and cans, <laughs> canned corn you know pretty soon here you know, it, you know it's funny we only get centimeters of snow up here you know 10 to 20 centimeters or so don't hurt i yourself. feel like there should be like a rim shot there because I, I don't know i have to google like you know how many inches does that end it's up being it seems like about a foot i don't know yeah 10 10 to 20, 20 centimeters is what we say when when they say that you kind of go oh, yeah okay get 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 the big heavy boots out and you know the kids are going to go tobogganing so we like the schools have all been closed here too for the last couple of days because the roads are just treacherous right so yeah they shut down a couple of the roads here for a while uh SeaTac airport had some closures uh, and tons of flight delays flight cancellations so we are definitely not prepared for this sort of this sort of weather not even sure if we ever got our plows back from portland when we lent them to them that one year when they were having a whole bunch of snow right right so did you enjoy your trip last week honey yeah it was it was pretty good to see people we did a test driven development workshop with um yeah. john reed is one who teaches that um q coding or quality coding i forget what his his twitter handle is uh, it went pretty mm. well and you know i've known john before has seen him at, at conferences we got a chance to catch up a little bit on things and uh, we did have some snow in a little bit of nuttiness in portland but it definitely is was not as bad as it was coming back to seattle and it, we are just in terms of equipment you know pl- snow plows and salting and other de-icing and other things we are just not prepared for this sort of thing to happen on any regular basis right, right. and topographically this is a this is the other thing that's bothering me. Topographically, we are not prepared. Um, you look at elevation changes for most areas that tend to get a lot of snow and feel they're pretty good at handling it. Yeah, your elevation doesn't change the way ours does, right? You can look at topographical maps. Um, ours is more akin to that scene in Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, where they're going up the mountain <laughs> and it's snowy and everything's crashing down. That's that's pretty oh, much that's where we're Oh, that's why you at. sent that, that pic the other day. Yeah, that, that was pretty much Seattle in a nutshell, that particular day in the first movie where they're they're um going up the mountain pass there right yeah when saruman's bringing down everything upon them to force them to go into the mines oh right okay cool how about you guys how are you, you guys doing in a little well, while yeah. i'm buried in yeah. snow kim are you off on monday um oh yeah actually turns out it's a holiday why is it what holidays what what yeah what holiday is it over there on, on monday this monday coming up yeah 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 i think they call it family day or something like that stealing our holidays i know canadians i knew they weren't working on the days that we weren't working and yeah. then they have their extra canadian holidays yeah mm-hmm. you have thanksgiving we don't have Thanksgiving. You have your own Thanksgiving. Yeah, but ours isn't crazy like yours, like six-day weekends or whatever it is, right? No, no, no. Like, we get, we get. You start to travel on Wednesday, f- Thursday's the, f- the day, and then what do you do on the Friday? Go back to work? No. No, you get... And then you, you got Saturday, Thursday, Sunday. That's like Thursday five days. Friday off. The rest is regular. You get them both off, or the people are just giving to you off? You get Thursday and Friday off, usually. Almost everyone gets. So Thursday is... Yeah, we only get one holiday. measly day. Yeah, I think I think the reason why they did it, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I think February used to be the, the top suicide 
uh, month of the year because, you know, they're stuck inside winter and whatever. All the maple syrup's frozen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Tim, is that why they made it a little holiday to give people <laughs> a refresher? Or? Yeah, cabin, because of cabin, what they call cabin fever, right? Sort of. Right. Or National Suicide Prevention Month is, is September 1st. Yeah. What the Wikipedia says. Well, many people believe that suicide rate peaks in during winter months. Intuitively, this makes sense. The seasonal affective disorder and the tendency to associate depression with winter. So is it true? Yeah, that may be why. You guys update your uh, your phones to 12.4? No, I was going to do that after after this show was recorded because I didn't want to kill my Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah, I did. Twitchy. Actually, that's the one where we can turn group FaceTime back on, right? Yeah. Or turn FaceTime back on so we don't have to worry turn about people. Turn FaceTime back on, period. Peeping. Yeah. 12.1.4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people were mentioning that subscriptions are supposed to be easier to manage in that one, I think, uh, mm-hmm. which kind of seems like surprise, surprise, they're going to have subscription service March, what did we say, 25th? Um, kind of makes sense. Making it more of a upfront sort of thing. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, so James Thompson just, real time follow up, James Thompson just tweeted if my Apple developer ID will require 2F, 2FA in two weeks, How's it going to work with my with my mixed personal Apple ID? Interesting. No idea. It is challenging, as I think you've personally found out. Every time you have something that's slightly different than singular, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. single person in a single Apple ID that is brand new and not something that was brought over from like .me or .mac. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have no idea how, especially if it's going to be like turned on for everybody. I kind of wonder how that's going to be uh, for their customer support folks. Well, it's not just that. I mean, I'm also I also have my my ID at work, and I've got a couple that I use on for other com- other people I support, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be like four of them that I have to turn it on for. You know, it's crazy. Well, we'll mm-hmm. see. You know, yep. it's all about security, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I guess I got to go turn into a pumpkin. All right. So I have to have to make this log tomorrow to work. I don't have to, but you know. All right. Well, have a good uh, family day. I will try. <laughs> have, have a good President's Day. Is that what it is? President's Day for you? President's, it is President's Day. Because yeah. Lincoln's you get to celebrate birthday. your president, do you, on President's Day? Do you what? Say it again. You get to celebrate your president on President's Day? So, no, it's we used to have two separate holidays. We used to have Lincoln's birthday and Washington's birthday. And they were both kind of oh, around really? the same time. So they combined them into one and just call it President's Day. Oh, was it, were they like, but would you have had a whole day off for those two days? Yeah. Like a two days total. Yeah, but this is like 30 years ago, 40 years ago. This oh, okay. Just to save you the Google search, uh, Lincoln's birthday was the 12th yesterday, and Washington's birthday is coming up on the 22nd. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. Talk to you guys uh, right. next week. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.